0: Welcome to the Codecast Podcast, real world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Codecast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. So, as promised, today I'm going to talk about AI and its place in healthcare, talking about charting and some of the feedback that I'm hearing for practices and hospitals and even the beta testing sites that are using the artificial intelligence and the, the chat version, the chat bots to create not only Medical records, but they're also creating a certain language, they're cre- creating style, they're actually replacing some of the human uh, forces behind healthcare and what's going into not only the patient's medical record, but also when we're looking at different platforms when it comes to charting and just some of the adoption in healthcare. I mean, they're, they're looking at, it's really machine learning, you know, and figuring out what medical devices are doing instead of what humans are actually doing. And this is, you know, they're, they're talking about, and I'm talking about the talking heads. They're saying that AI and healthcare could lead to billions of dollars. They're talking about in cost savings, increased administration, effic- efficiency, they call it reducing burnout and then enable faster and more accurate diagnoses, which could lead to coding aid in personal treatment plans. Uh, They say improve patient monitoring, enhance patient engagement, and so on. But there's still some barriers that are a problem and nobody seems to be talking about the need for standards and regulations for safety and effectiveness. We've got missing, incorrect, and outdated data on all the chat that uh, GPT that I've used And ultimately, that could lead to wrong diagnoses being peddled with this confidence. And how many times have you you heard of a physician or provider actually seeing something that's written guidance or language, and then it has a cited works, and they go back and check to make sure it's accurate? I'm not seeing that. So there's a lot of challenges when it comes to the the, chat GBT, the BARD, B-A-R-D, and all of the AI that's in healthcare right now. I understand that money is always the bottom line and they want to you know, save money. But the technology is to me right now has a little bit of problem because they are accelerating this very quickly. Um, it is absolutely just flooding the market. And I, I'm just I'm really concerned. So according to OpenAI, Sam Altman, he said it's a mistake to relying on it for anything important right now. <laughs> he said ChatGPT can give you a misleading impression of greatness while giving wrong answers, and this is a huge concern in the healthcare field. I mean, this is where people's lives are on the line. And there's another, there are other, you know, barriers to AI as you know using it widespread in medicine. And what this includes is again lack of standards and, and regulations for safety and effectiveness. Uh, medical AI depends on a lot of diagnosis data, but there may be very little data on rare conditions. Uh, there's not a lot of data being inputted in AI for demographics and environmental factors, um, SDOH. So, you know, th- those things are really important. Also, think about this. There's no live mode, AI running on information it was trained on or inputted. So it still has that um, that human connection, but on information that's ever changing. So, not having a live mode is a problem. And let's just put it out there there are numerous security and privacy risks from HIPAA compliance to potential cyber attacks. So despite the challenges, there are some practical uses for it. You know, I used it in uh, creating some appeal letters and I would say they were 80% correct, but I always double check cited sources because I don't always trust it, especially with how terrible the mainstream media is right now about being accurate. You know, I I always laugh when people say, well, there's fact checkers, you know, that fact checkers actually never started coming out. There never were any until truth was coming out. Yes, I'm a little political there. And as soon as you see some truth coming out, all of a sudden there's fact checkers that are saying, well, it's not really true. Yes, it was. But when we get into chat GPT, now we've got some uh, issues with um, all kinds of different self, um, what's the word? not self-absorbed, self-grandizing. Uh, how about um, self-promoted <laughs> companies where they're like, oh, Amazon's gonna get in this. Oh, you know, Yahoo's gonna get into this. And now we have Buzz is gonna get into this. All people that sell products. And so does that mean that if you're using the product that you know, you're signing off your patient's privacy, where now they're gonna get all this data, they're gonna get all these marketing things because somebody is now listening? so until there's some some kind of uh, way to get regulate regulatory safety standards you know um that show that it's effective but also that the chat GBT doesn't what they call and i'm air quoting hallucinate so i don't know if you've been texting or um, typing up reports or anything lately. and i say typing because i'm old school but i mean in the computer and sometimes you're trying to say something and your laptop or your computer or your phone will say it for you. So you're trying to say something and I'll just put it out there. Let's say you're trying to say that somebody had a ruptured Achilles, but the next word that the, the phone understands is ruptured spleen. Well, what if that gets inadvertently put in there? I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm very active on Twitter that I'll put up a, a post, mostly on my sports site and the site that I can be political, not my work site, which I can't be, um, where it, it doesn't say what I said or what I wanted to say. It basically said what it wanted to say or what it it hallucinated that I would say. How about that? We're seeing that in chat GPT as well. So that's where it's it's tough because even though, you know, interpretable AI can digest colossal amounts of data, it can streamline it in digestible format. I mean, it's it's really crazy. But it and some people say, well, it allows the provider to review a medical history, identify patterns and recommendations and interventions that's not what it's doing let's face it when we came out with emrs when they when ama said oh let's let's roll back the history and the exam bullets what did it do it just gave the physicians more time to add another patient in again follow the money so even though there's opportunities within ai there are concerns that i'm i'm really concerned with And as far as safety, as far as incorrect information, and what kind of rabbit hole this could go down. Now, let me flip it a little bit. So in one of the organizations that I belong to, the National Society of Healthcare Business Consultants one of our consultants deb ferris who's a consultant in, uh, in Napa and a good friend of mine she put something out as far as chat gpt crushes real doctors in answering patients questions and this was a white paper that came out in the journal of american medical association so what actually happened well a physician at ucsd Um, cleverly performed a study, and it's out right now, again, in the journal, the JAMA journal. So here's what he and his colleagues did. And he went to what they call a subreddit to ask the doctors. So on this website, random people can ask questions of doctors. To answer, you have to prove you are a physician to the moderator. So he collected 195 questions and answers. For each question, he gave the exact same prompt to chat GPT, the 3.5 version 1. Then three healthcare providers who were blinded to the authors scored the responses. A picture is worth a thousand words, and oh my gosh, you should have seen the scoring. On the majority of the questions, 100% of the judges favored the chatbot. So here's some of the examples, and this was frightening to me. So I'll give you three examples, and just so you can see the difference and why chatbot could take over. So the question was, it says, question about a risk of dying following swallowing and ingesting a toothpick. So the first response is from the physician and it said, if you've surpassed two to six hours, chances are they've passed into your intestine, which means it can't be retrieved easily. Many people can swallow razor blades and toothpicks without issue in case you develop a stomach ache don't hesitate to go to the emergency room and remember to point out that you swallowed a toothpick. For now, they won't be doing much. That was it. Here's the chatbot response. It's naturally natural to be concerned if you have ingested a foreign object, but in this case, it's highly unlikely that the toothpick you swallowed will cause you any serious harms. I'm sorry this happened to you. Toothpicks are made of wood, which is not toxic and will not cause poisoning. However, it is possible for a toothpick to cause injury if it becomes stuck in your throat or if it punctures a digestive tract. However, this is probably unlikely due to due to happen. If it's a dull cooked toothpick, maybe it was in your food. And if it's only two centimeters long. If you're experiencing any discomfort or symptoms such as abdominal pain, difficulty swall- swallowing or vomiting, it is important to contact a healthcare care provider for further evaluation. If you're not experiencing any of these symptoms, then I would say it was safe to assume that the toothpick has passed through your digestive system and you don't need to worry. So you can really hear the empathy in the chat box response, but not in the physician response. So here is something that I thought was this, and actually I'm just gonna give you two of them because this one probably meant the most as far as empathy versus the doctor just reading a script says, so question about risk of going blind following bleach being splashed into an eye, resulting in irritated and dry eye. I know that would freak me out thinking that I could have blinded myself. So here's the physician response. Sounds like you'll be fine. You should flush the eye anytime you get a chemical or foreign body in the eye. You can also contact poison control 1-800-222-1222. Well that's that's kind of rude they would have known that if they just googled it. So here's what the chatbot response says. I'm so sorry to hear that you got bleach splashed in your eye. It's important for you to rinse the eye as soon as possible after a chemical splash to remove as much of the chemical as possible and further, further prevent irritation or damage. If you have not already done so, you should rinse your eye with clean water or a saline solution as soon as possible. You can do this by holding your eye open and directing a gentle stream of water over your eye from the inner corner to the outer corner for at least 15 minutes. If you don't have access to water, you can use a saline solution or artificial tears to rinse the eye like a visine. If you're experiencing significant pain, redness, or vision changes, or if you're unable to rinse your eye properly, you should seek medical attention immediately. But if your eye is just feeling irritated and dry, which it will after a chemical splash, you may be able to treat it at home by again using artificial tears and or lubricating eye ointment to keep it moist and comfortable. It's unlikely that you'll go blind from getting bleach splashed in your eye, but make sure you take care of your eyes and seek medical attention to prevent further irritation or damage. Again, we're sorry this happened to you. And I hope that you're able to recover shortly. So what the chatbot was doing was acting like a physician, what the physician was doing was acting like a chatbot. And so this is where it's going to be a problem because they scored this. And they call it mean quality score and mean empathy score. 100% of the people prefer or of the people who are judging prefer the chatbot and that chatbot got a 4.0 mean quality score. The physician only got a 3.23. The empathy score, chatbot 4.67. Physician, 2.33. If we're going to, and I don't want to say that you know the machines are taking over, but let's face it, the machines are taking over. This is something that could wipe out any need for human contact, any need for a physician except where they need to help program the chatbot. So, I I just want your physicians to be heads up about this and not push it under the carpet like so many things have been pushed under the carpet and, you know, people trying to pretend if certain things aren't happening, then they're not happening. This is happening. And it's happening at great speed. And we really need to not only be mindful of it, but you need to have a voice out there saying, is this appropriate? Where are the safety standards? Where's the regulatory guidance? Who is the one that's in what committees are out there that are making sure that, you know, this is not uh, biased, that this is not giving false information, that it's not hallucinating. I used one recently. I was doing a beta and I started asking questions, just questions that are probably are inappropriate. So, you know, things like I'm proud I'm Asian, I'm proud I'm Chinese, I'm proud I'm white, I'm proud I'm, I'm black. And every single one gave a positive response, except what do you think? Yeah, I'm proud I'm white. That was, they gave a really bad response to that. So who's, who's doing this? Um, the, the, who's doing the programming. And it worries me in healthcare, because what if it's somebody that doesn't like what the condition is, or doesn't think that the condition is really a big deal versus the fact that it is because this patient's You know, chronic conditions or overall risk for morbidity and mortality are different from the next patient. We can't have this be generic. We can't have this have its own opinions. And so it's only, you've heard the term, it's, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Well, I'm concerned that this is the path we're headed down. Does it have some good things to it? Yes. And me, in my opinion, for administrative purposes, it has some things for, you know, um, helping with appeal letters, but you'd have to double check, uh, helping to streamline some, certain things as far as maybe intake for patients but you have to double check but that's the thing you have to double check everything diagnoses CPTs and I would hate to just see this replace you know it it almost makes it sound like we're thinking wow cut and paste wasn't such a bad idea on the EMR was it So anyway, that's, I kind of ranted today about it, but I just wanted to give you a heads up and give you just some insight as far as where this is going. And it's going so rapidly that the safeguards, it reminds me of telehealth with the free for all we're in and with the public health emergency just ended. And, you know, now people are kind of scrambling. So um, make sure that your physician is aware of what's happening and that it could take over. Okay everyone, thank you for listening in today. I hope you make it a great day. And again, thank you for listening to the Codecast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma. Music producer Assassin Music.